Welcome to Scanner School. Now, today we're going to talk about severe weather monitoring. Actually, this is my guideline. This is kind of a lessons learned kind of activity on when it comes to monitoring severe weather. Now, we've talked about severe weather monitoring in the past, and I am kind of giving us a brush up here. Now, in the past couple of days and weeks here, I mean, I'm recording this in very, very early April here, and we've already had an outbreak of tornadoes here in the United States, and it's just going to progress as the spring happens, you know, kind of goes through its cycles here. In fact, this past weekend, not too far from me in New Jersey, there was a couple tornadoes as well. So this does happen, right? I live in Long Island. We do get hurricanes. We do get some flooding. We do get blizzards. And yes, we do get tornadoes. So it's not like I'm immune to some of this stuff depending where we live, right? We all need need to be prepared. And this is really what it comes down to. And I've learned a lot from listening to activity that happened through Superstorm Sandy that happened here in, I think, was 2010. And there's a lot of stuff that people are still recovering from. And it was a long-term event. So today we're going to break things down. We're going to break things down from a, a weather event or a disaster event timeline. And we're also going to break things along on a part two on a scanner radio event. So basically, how these different weather events are going to dictate how your scanner monitoring should be, okay? Or maybe what we should learn from these events and and adjust our scanner monitoring activity. So again, we're going to break this thing down into two ways, weather events and scanner weather prep or monitoring. Now, weather monitoring disasters, we're going to break this down again. We're going to break this into a pre-disaster, an active event, or an immediate alert event, and then a post-event, or after the event has happened. And through these four items here, we'll just go through the different uh, modes of communications, the different forms of monitoring, and the different things that are happening around us in order to go through these events. So, the first one here, pre-disaster. What type of event is about to unfold here. And we have several different kinds of disasters that can unfold with many different timelines or different lead times or warning tables. So for example, a hurricane. A hurricane typically has days to about a week of a lead time or a warning that this event might happen, right? We've got what's called the cone of uncertainty, which basically is every couple of days, this cone gets a little bit wider And the track of the center of the hurricane or tropical storm or tropical depression, depending what it is when it gets to you, could vary within that cone of uncertainty. But 
as things start barreling down and you start getting to a couple of days away, you're going to start to see some activity that happens here. And one of the things you may want to listen to right away is your state or your county or your parish's Office of Emergency Communication or Emergency Management. Again, it may even be on a statewide level thing as well. And before we get there again, I know a lot of people are going to jump down and say, oh, encryption, encryption, encryption. Yes, we're going to see some encryption here, but we may not see encryption either. There's going to be a lot of interoperability here. So while we may see some encryption up front, we may not see it through and through. And this also is a very great time and opportunity for us to update our logs. We'll talk about that in a second and find out. Maybe we expected to hear or we found out we were hearing more than we expected to hear. So state and county OEM or OEC, Office of Emergency Management and Offices of Emergency Coordination or whatever it may be, right? It may be different based on the city, state, county, parish, wherever you happen to live. Now, for example, why do I recommend this? Well, because this is basically your county or your government's level of tolerance, I guess you could say, for what it is that they are not only expecting to happen, but their prep work and who they are expecting to be around and be available and and be there during this event. For example, when we had, again, Hurricane Sandy roll through, I was listening to my neighboring county's Office of Emergency Management, and we have what's called barrier beaches. These are the beaches that run south of Long Island that basically fall between the bays, right, between the mainland Long Island and the Atlantic Ocean. These are the barrier islands, and people live there. So the Office of Emergency Management was basically saying that we're vacating. We are telling these people to get out of their homes, right? Vacate the beaches, come into shelters and be safe. But people were not heeding the warning. They were refusing to leave. People in the field from the EOC were out there reporting in saying that, hey, you know, they want to stay. And the EOC headquarters was basically saying, well, then you notify them that this is their last call. We are not coming back out and they have to ride the storm out from here on out. And people were good with that. Until they weren't, until they got scared and then called back in. And then, of course, you get to hear some very colorful communications about how they should have gone when they were asked to go the first time. But this is why I say that the EOC and the Office of Emergency Management could be some good listening prior to an event. Also, what is good, too, is the DPW, right? Drains and row clearing, storm drain clearing, debris clearing. Right. And again, even after the disaster, the DPW is going to be there to do county roads or government roads with with tree clearing and debris removal and stuff like that. Right. Another one you want to look at too, pre disaster would be fire district prep because fire districts are going to be primarily the ones that may go out there with their rescue boats in flooding areas. Where I am too, they also have Office of Emergency Management and they check in as well with the EOC through the fire districts. It's all tied in together. So fire district prep may be something that you may want to look at too. Now, don't want to bore you here. There's a couple on this list, but I think it's a very good list here. The Red Cross, at least here in the United States, the Red Cross deploys shelters. Now, the Red Cross is something that we're going to hear throughout this podcast Red Cross operates on donations. So if you want to look for an agency that you can donate to to help during a disaster, Red Cross can certainly use some help. But the Red Cross will be there to have shelter, food, cots, a place that's warm and dry. 
for people that not only are displaced because their homes have been flooded or destroyed, but they also go out there for places that families have have had problems with house fires and stuff like that. So the Red Cross has a network of shelters and they will utilize amateur radio operators, volunteers, and at least for I am here in New York, they have a low band radio network. So it's very interesting to see where the Red Cross pops up on. And a lot of this too is is knowing who you it is you want to listen to and then scouting out and finding where might they be right now, which is also very cool. Another agency or another group that is going to be very important when it comes to emergencies are hospital networks. And you're going to hear hospitals checking in again with the county and even running roll calls with themselves and even their own security personnel. You may hear them around the campus. Are the generators running? Do they have flooding? Are the the lights on? Do they have any issues they have to work through? So hospitals and even security agencies that are sitting there to look at office buildings or parking lots, you may find they are also getting things ready for the prep, okay? And finally, one more thing we want to look at too are amateur radio check-ins and weather nets, GMRS, those kinds of things, where when we have the Red Cross, when we have OEC, when we have agencies coming in and, and they operate and they request the needs from amateur radio emergency services, Skywarn, or even RACES, these this is when the amateur radio network comes alive. And even through traffic nets, you'll find stuff like this. So make sure that you are monitoring your local ham radio operators as well. Now, again, this is all pre-disaster. This gives you an opportunity to figure things out days in advance. But what if you don't have days? What if you only have hours? What if you only have minutes, right? This is what we're going to call the medium warning here, the, the hours. And some of these hourly events or these events that we have an hour or more to prepare for would be thunderstorms, severe weather like tornadoes, okay, hail activity that kind of goes with the severe severe weather here. And the reason why I say we have hours here is because a lot of times we'll know in the morning that the conditions are favorable for these kinds of storms to arise. They may not, but they might. So we know in advance that there is a possibility of this happening. Not that it's going to happen, but the possibility is there. And we have a possibility in a short or a medium warning weather event. I would say you'd want to listen to Skywarn weather nets on amateur radio and weather watcher nets and maybe even GMRS, like React or something like that. Okay. This is where you're going to find what's happening hours in advance for prep work. And again, some of the pre-disasters that we talked about in the long-term events, you may also hear on there, but they may not be as active because there's not as much of a time frame to get prepped, right? So these medium warning triggers here are something we want to keep in the back of mind. But we also have short lead times, extremely short lead times, like, again, thunderstorms, tornadoes, floodings, earthquakes, Right? And these are events that kind of spring up. Flash flooding is, is one of those, right? We always suddenly have a downstorm. You have a um, one of the supercells that, that runs through the, the area that just drops a whole lot of rain. I, I forget the actual term for it, it's the supercell, but it's one of these deals that you're going to find Skywarn is going to activate almost immediately for something like this or a weather watcher net. 
So again, make sure you have these in your radio. All right, so we've talked about leading up to an event, right? We've led up to a long-term event, a medium event, or a short-term event. But what happens when the events are actually unfolding? What happens when we are in the middle of this weather event that's happening right now? Active disaster monitoring is different than prep monitoring. And again, active disaster monitoring is way different than post-monitoring. With active disaster monitoring, things are happening real time, right? Things are exciting. Things are changing around you by the minute or by the second. So some of the things you'd want to listen to here would be fire department activity for rescues, flooding, right? Red Cross updates, because the shelters are going to say how full they are to capacity or how many people they have or what family members they're looking for. So again, a lot of this may fall back to the amateur radio world. So you may want to listen to amateur radio as well. Hospitals may give updates as far as their conditions. Are they open to have more people come in? Are they triaging here? Or are they at capacity? Are they on generator power? Do they have enough staff, right? You're going to find a lot of activity on some of these hospital networks, medcom channels. Again, security agencies may or may not be active as well. But again, we talked about ham radio and weather nets and GMRS. During an active disaster, this will be your best bet to know what is going on around you. And obviously, of course, it goes without saying, you want to listen to the National Weather Association, right? National Weather Service here in the U.S. And I'm also pretty sure where you are, whether if you're outside the U.S. or not, there is some sort of weather net that you can listen to as well. So make sure you at least have that going on if this is a weather event that could be life-threatening, so to speak. All right, let's move on to now post-disaster and recovering because this could now be a really short-term event or this could be weeks and months worth of recovery. Now, again, from the days of Superstorm Sandy, I was very surprised as to what it was I was listening when the event was over. Because being here from Long Island and listening to the radio and hearing people with Southern drawls and who are obviously out of state, but were very, very practiced or had really strong radio skills was kind of one of these moments where you're like, wow, you know, uh, this really did hit the fan here. We've got people in that are trained to communicate. And not only do we have army helicopters flying overhead doing surveys, but again, you had multiple agencies coming in and staging and bringing in a bunch of heavy equipment. So what I'm saying here is be prepared to have a lot of people in if it's a big disaster. That being said, the NIFOG, which is the National Interoperable Field Guide, is something you're going to want to have in your pocket and already programmed into your radio. Okay, and we're going to talk about programming the radios in just a minute here. But think about it. The National Guard is going to come in here and probably assume a little bit of control. Again, the Red Cross is going to continue to open it and operate their shelters. The Civil Air Patrol may be brought in to do site surveys and updates. Again, your hospital networks are going to be busy with updates as to whether or not they're operational, whether or not they're triage centers, or if they're on diversions. 
DPW will be active with tree clearing or street clearing or, or sewer system clearing, right? You don't know. Again, OEM, EOC is going to come back to life with their updates. But very important, too, to think about, and I think a lot of things we miss is something that's so obvious to us, our utilities, our electric, our gas, our water companies. We want to make sure we know where they are now. They may not be too active when we're just listening to them most of the time. Routine stuff, meter checks, line outage reports. I mean, it's not exciting, but when they are bringing people in and they're restoring service and they're busy and they are busy listening to the utilities, gas, electric, and water is something that you're going to want to have set up in your radio. Now, with more people coming in and more agencies helping, obviously, we're going to have a lot of radios out there that weren't out there before. So we're going to look at business band, FRS, MURS. Look at your local trunk systems and see if there are any talk groups out there that you've never seen before or some that you've seen listed in radio reference that you've never heard any activity on. Think of interoperability channels. I know on my system here, I've never really seen any show up. But when Sandy came in, it was nuts on an IFOG, <laughs> to put it that way. So the 8TAC, UTAC, VTAC channels, they all, they all came in. But I know from other locations the interop talk groups have been active during some some really crazy events, not just weather events, and they weren't encrypted, okay? So again, we have to remember too that if we lose power, if we lose towers, because that is something that could happen, I've seen where antennas are ripped completely off of towers and buildings. We may find out that we have systems that we were able to listen to prior that we can no longer hear. They may be on backup power. They may be on backup transmitter locations. They may even be on fail-safe mode, which means the trunk system is now an island or the trunk system is now operating in conventional mode. So you may find that talk groups are grouped together on the regular output frequencies of the trunk system. So it may pay to program in your local trunk system as a conventional system with the talk groups on it because it may not have a heartbeat. It may not have a control channel. It may not have access to the outside world. We need to think about these things in advance, right? We're going to talk about that in a second. So post-disaster, we're going to think about you know, a lot of the recovery stuff. Now, we've got one more wild card here. This is the emergency or the immediate weather activation, right? This is, this is now popped up and we need to monitor it right away. And we're thinking here, there's only really two good ways we want to monitor this one. With a NOAA weather radio, that's it. NOAA weather radio is going to save your life pretty much. I've talked about these in the past. And unfortunately for those that are outside the U.S. that don't have a network like this, not saying that nobody outside of the U.S. doesn't have something like this, but we really need to, I mean, this has to be something that's available. I think about this or I think about these as being like smoke detectors or carbon monoxide detectors, right? These should be in your home. These should be on standby, ready to go. And when weather hits and these activate, they'll wake you up. And that's what they have to do. Sometimes just having these go off with a couple minutes of worth of warning is enough to get you to safety, whether it be to a basement or a shelter or a bathroom or something, right? So 
many scanner radios that we have already will operate as a weather alert radio. You just need to set them up. Many handheld ham radios can do the same thing. I am asking you right now as a favor to me to take a look at your scanner radio and see if it will work as a weather alert standby radio and get in the habit of instead of turning off your radio at the end of the day, if that's something you do, I know I don't, but have a radio on standby, have a radio that is going to be there to monitor the weather activity just in case you need it. The radios will be remain silent. They'll be quiet until it, the tones come over and then you'll know. And every Wednesday too here in the U.S., the National Weather Service does do a weather exercise or basically a weather test so that you can see if your radio is working fine. Okay, we're going to take a break here. This has been pretty lengthy so far, but we're going to talk about your homework and what it takes from a scanner radio user to set up your radio in order to monitor exactly what it was that we've just talked about here. As a reminder, anybody who's a patron supporter at the $3 a month level doesn't get this upcoming break. You can support us by going to scannerschool.com slash Patreon. For everybody else, we'll catch you all in just one second. Chances are pretty good that you shop online and buy things online. So whether it's Amazon or eBay or Scanner Master, maybe you got a new radio and you're going to buy new software from Butel. You can help support the podcast with your online purchases. If you use our support page before buying things online, you can support our show without it costing you a single cent. So before you buy your groceries, your golf balls, your socks, or maybe a new radio, software, or whatever it is, we would love it if you could use our affiliate links before you make that purchase. And this will help support the show at no additional cost to you. Go to scannerschool.com support to find out how you can help us out. Thanks again. Do you feel lost when it comes to the scanner hobby? Are you looking for someone to answer your questions? Do you have a new radio and you need help understanding how it works? Or are you working on a big project and need somebody to bounce ideas off of? Do you need a little bit more personal assistance than what you can get from an online community? And are you looking for somebody to dedicate their attention and their time to helping you out when it comes to getting you unstuck? with whatever it is that you are struggling with when it comes to the scanner radio hobby, I'm here to do just that. See, you can book me for a session right now where I'll sit on Zoom and do a video or a screen share with you just as if I am sitting across the table and helping you out. You can book your tutoring session right now by going to scannerschool.com tutoring. I can't wait to help you out. Unication's G2 to G5 pagers are great additions to your radio collection. Not only can they alert you with two-tone pager activations, but they can also monitor your local P25 simulcast systems that many scanner radios have problems receiving. And of course, many of our scanner school listeners are happily using their Unication pagers to scan their local trunk systems. How do I know? Because they've reached out to tell me. My company, East Coast Pagers, is an authorized Unication, Swiss phone, and Apollo pager dealer. We not only support departments and agencies, but also the home hobby user as well. Find us online at eastcoastpagers.com. When it comes to our scanner radios, we have our homework set up for us when it comes to severe weather monitoring. It's not going to be just as easy as the skies opening up. It's thunder and lightning outside. Let's go turn our radio and now let's start doing the research to find out what it is we want to monitor, okay? This is not going to work for us. The first thing that we have to do 
is we need to be, I, I don't know the best way to say this, so I'm just going to say it. We've got to be intimate with our scanner radio. I don't mean to say this in a sick way or anything like that, but we need to have a full understanding of our scanner radios. We should know our radio, at least one radio, like the back of our hands. And this should be our go-to rig. So whether it be a basic radio or advanced radio, something that's portable or desktop, something that's in your car or backpack or a go kit, right? You should know how this radio works. This might be the radio that you use all the time, okay? This might be your favorite radio. Or... A radio that you used in a disaster might be a radio that you've got in a bag that you never touch, right? And the batteries are dead on it. And you have a manual next to you and, and the firmware is out of date and it has been updated with frequencies for well over a decade, right? No, no, absolutely not. You need to have a complete understanding on how the radio works. It should be set up and ready to go at a, any any moment. And again, during a disaster, when stress levels are high, when things are barreling down on you, when it comes time to having to understand how to use something, that is not the time to learn how to use your tools of the trade, right? You're not going to want to dig the well while you're thirsty. You're going to want to dig the well before you're thirsty. So before we get anything we're going to talk about here, Remember, you have to know how your radio works. You have to know how the tools work. You have to know where the batteries are, where the antenna goes, how to charge it, how to lock things, how to unlock things, right? You're going to need to make sure that you've got the most up-to-date information in that radio. Because what good is a scanner going to do for you if you haven't updated it in a while? For example, my county police moved all over to a P25 trunk system about a decade ago. It's encrypted. I still have people who once in a while email me and say, hey, Phil, what happened to the local police department here? I can't hear anything. It's like, yeah, dude, it's been a, it's been a decade. <laughs> so, I mean, I get it. People come in and out of the hobby at all times, right? But what I'm getting at here is don't let the dust collect on your gear and then decide that, oh, I mean, there's a hurricane or a tornado or there's a blizzard going on. There's, there's a couple of feet of snow outside. I've got nothing else to do. Let me let me try and tool around on the radio over here, right? I mean, during a blizzard, that's okay. That's fine, right? What else are you going to do? <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is beating the dead horse here. Learn how the equipment works and use it. Okay, so let's get into the different steps here when it comes to monitoring with our radios. We're going to break this down at three different categories. We're going to set this up into prep work, active monitoring, and revisions. Okay. So prep work, we just talked about, right? Setting up the radio, understanding how it works, having the manual, right? But we want to understand the type of events that we want to monitor if we have time as part of our prep work. Again, long-term, short-term, an active emergency or something that's all of a sudden just alerting right now, right? Each one of these has a different kind of operating style or a listening style. So we want to know what banks we have, where things are outlined, 
right? I mean, the last thing you want to do is start locking and unlocking things and not knowing what it is we are locking and unlocking. So part of our prep work is knowing what frequencies, what trunk systems, where they're in banks, what is locked out, what is unlocked, what service types are enabled or disabled. Do I have close call turned on? Do I have the weather alert turned on? Do I need to buy a firmware upgrade or, I'm sorry, do I need to buy a upgrade for P25 or NXDN or something like that? These are things that should be part of the prep work well before, well before storm season rolls thing, rolls through. But what about during storm season? What about during an event, right? What happens if we lose power? Do you have batteries? Are they charged? Do you have extra batteries? Do you have an external power source for your handheld radio? Do you have a power source, an external power source, and fallback power source for a desktop radio? What happens if you need to bug out or get out of Dodge? Is your radio going to come with you? Do you have everything you need to go? External antennas, cases, waterproof bags, right? Part of the prep work too is take inventory of some of the agencies and the activity that you've monitored in past events. Did you think that those agencies that you monitored in the past would be something that you'd want to listen to again? Did they interest you? Were they active? Were they not active? Are there agencies maybe you didn't actively monitor that you thought about after the fact and said, hey, I should have monitored that. Are those in your radio now? Another question that we seem to overlook is how many scanners typically are we going to have access to? Or how many radios are we going to have access to? And I I say this because we're going to talk about this in an upcoming podcast episode, but we're going to talk about about simplifying things. And a while back, we talked about keeping, keeping it simple, right? The KISS method here. But when we simplify what our scanners are doing, we hear more. Because we tell our scanners to do less. We can do less with more. Or more with less, rather. So, how many scanners or radios will we have with us? One, two, four, five? Will we have one radio dedicated to a particular frequency? Will we have one dedicated to a particular department or channel or agency? Will one be in search mode looking for something that is something that we weren't expecting to hear? Will we have enough radios to monitor what it is that we are trying to monitor? Again, Do we know how to use our radios? All of our radios, do we know how to use them? Have you checked your programming? Here's a good one too. Will your monitoring interfere or bother anybody who's around you? Don't forget, sometimes during weather events, it's high stress, right? People are on edge naturally. They're worried about their loved ones. They're worried about their own property. They're worried about themselves, right? You may be sitting there excited as a whatever it is you want to be excited about. But to somebody who's not really into radios or scanning and they hear some things might be triggering to them. It may be adding to their anxiety, right? It may just bother people that you're listening to something and you're taking enjoyment out of a disaster while other people are suffering. Okay? 
So be aware of your surroundings when you're monitoring and listening to a weather disaster event. Maybe have some headphones handy. Maybe keep the volume low. Remember, everybody's going to react differently to what's happening around them, especially in a disaster. And finally, with the prep work, can you monitor what you expect to hear right now before the event? Can you hear NOAA weather radio? Can you hear the sky warn nets on amateur radio? Can you hear your local police, your fire, your OEM, utilities, right? If they're encrypted or if they're not on the same frequency anymore or if they've moved or in a different trunk system, right now is the time to find that out and to be prepared for it. In other words, do not wait until the last possible second to learn how to use your radio, how to program your radio, or how to set up your radio. I've said it several times as part of the prep work. So if you've listened from capital letter to period, <laughs> and you heard everything in between, you know that that's the moral of this module or this section right here in the prep work, right? Learn how your gear works and be ready to use it. All right, the next phase of scanner radio monitoring when it comes to a severe weather is active monitoring right now in the thick of it. What are you supposed to be doing? What are you supposed to be monitoring? How should you monitor? Well, you're going to be monitoring different things. And things are going to pop up in your mind on occasion that you are like, oh, I really should have had that in my, in my scanner. Like, for example, while I'm talking to you right now, I'm thinking in my head, all right, we talked about Civil Air Patrol. But you know what we didn't talk about? Hurricane hunters. Yeah, hurricane hunters. If you're in the middle of a hurricane or a tropical storm or depression, you may actually have the hurricane hunters flying overhead. Be pretty cool to monitor them. Think about that for a second. Or I know a couple of weeks ago, NASA had 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 planes up in the area, right, doing research. Now, do I have the frequencies for those? Do I know what they're on? I do not. But it would have been cool to find out, right? So again, you're always going to think of things that you're going to want to listen to during an active event. Keep a pen and paper handy. Write these things down. Write down what you hear. Write down the type of activity, the, the transmissions, what you're hearing. Make note of them. Make note of the times. Make note of everything that you are listening to. Better yet, set up your shack, your listening station, whatever, so that you can record the audio. Many scanner radios have SD cards that will record to them, but some do not. Sometimes just having your smartphone with the voice recorder running is really cool to have. Because again, there's been opportunities and times where I've heard things on the radio that I wish I can go back to. And there's definitely some events I've been listening to that is really cool to go back on years later and listen to. But not only to hear the act, you know, the event that happened, but to hear maybe some old voices or some old tone outs, some old landmarks that don't exist anymore, maybe, right? There's things that change in the radio landscape that 
we don't really notice day to day, but when you're listening to things decades later, it's pretty cool. So I would suggest recording what you can hear during the active event. Because again, you may want to go back. You may want to replay. You may have missed something. What's the worst that happens? You have some audio that you don't listen to? A good device to have would be something like a Zoom recorder. I use an H6N. We've talked to other people that use H4s. And there's other devices out there that work just as well. And a, a Zoom H6N is basically a handheld pocket recorder, I guess you can call it. It's pretty big. It's, it's a multi-channel recorder. I use it for my podcasting. In fact, I'm using it right now to talk and record this. But you can use it as a multiple input system. You can record multiple channels. So you can put multiple scanners into a single device and record them independently and then run them all out through headphones if you wanted to. So there's different ways that you can record audio. And I really recommend that during an active event, if you have the ability to do so, it's really cool to be able to go back and, and replay some of these things. Okay, we've, we've done with the active monitoring. We've got our pens and papers and, and pencils and recordings and logs and wish lists of things that we wish we had heard or wish we had programmed, right? And this is where the final chapter comes into play here, revisions, right? What did we learn? What did we take away, right? What's our closeout here? I know there's a word here I'm looking for when you go through a uh, post event and, and you and you run through the lessons learned and I, it just isn't coming to me at the moment. But what would we change if we could right now after listening to an event? Maybe you go back to your revisions a week later, right? After the dust has settled, after the smoke has cleared, right? After the snow has melted, after the trees have been cleaned up, right? After your neighbor's shed was pulled out of your yard and put back in the into their yard, right? You it is, Cleanup could be a long time out, right? Which is why, again, with during the active monitoring stage, it's really good to have notes. So we go back to this. Before we do our prep work for the next event, we want to go through our revisions, right? What did we wish that we had heard? What did we wish we did differently? What could we have changed to make this more enjoyable or make us more prepared. Based on your logs and your notes, revise your action plan. Would you have better radios, more radios, less radios, different scanless, smaller scanless, larger scanless? Would you have put things into search mode more, right? Would you have a radio that was set up just for Skywarn or just for OEM or just for something else, right? Would you have bought better batteries, different batteries? Would you have had a backup battery supply, UPS, generator, lithium-ion battery packs? I don't know, right? What would you have done differently for power? What about printed manuals? Do you have all your manuals? Do you know who they are? Did you know how to use your radios, right? These are things that are going to be part of your post-active plan, your revisions. There's a lot to take away from these kinds of weather events, right? Everybody thinks about these as being, there's something happening now, let's react to it. The goal here is to be prepared. I don't mean to sound like a Boy Scout, right? But the reality is, you want to be prepared with when it comes to your scanner radios. 
You don't want to be reactive. You want to be proactive here. So we're all going to be through an event at least once in our lives where we take a step back and go, holy cow, right? That was intense. Maybe some more than others. But we have to learn from it, right? And part of our hobby that we all enjoy puts us really front and center for a lot of this activity. And when it comes to these events, there's a lot that we can monitor. So forget about complaining about encryption, okay? It's not going to fly here. There's plenty of stuff that you're going to be able to listen to when it hits the fan. It may not be your local police or your local fire or your local EMTs or OEMs or something like that. But there's going to be something out there you're going to be able to monitor. There is going to be something to hear. Hunt it out. Find it. Put your radio in search mode. Because when it comes time to looking at your logs and doing the prep work for the next time, you're going to want to have this information up front. You're not going to want to have to find it later. So what I'd like to know is when you monitor for severe weather alerts, or severe weather activity, what is it that you monitor? Why don't you jump into our Discord server and let me know? Because everybody's area is different. Again, here on Long Island, we just went through a severe thunderstorm warning first one of the season. And I just found out that the tornadoes that I was talking about earlier in the podcast episode were EF2s and they were in Jersey. We get tornadoes here in Long Island. We get tornadoes in the tri-state area that I'm in. But we don't get the tornadoes like you have in Tornado Alley or down in Alabama or areas like that that have just destroyed communities, right? In the past couple of weeks here. So everybody's got a little bit of a story here and a little bit of a something different. So jump on our Discord, scannerschool.com slash Discord. Let me know how you weather prep. How are you set up? What do you monitor? What have you heard? I'd love to hear from you. Scannerschool.com slash Discord. Before we wrap up this week's podcast, I want to take a minute here to thank all of our Patreon supporters. Alan Gonzalez, Arthur Altrack, Arthur Heron, Bill K, Bob Bross, Bob Middleton, Brandon Sammons, Brian King, Chris Powers, Craig Harper, Dan, Danielle Cavallella, David Dombrowski, David Pasco, David C, David Kuzneski, Danny Crotty, Dylan Hyder, Ed Walsh, Edward Bramlett, Glenn Davos, Glenn Wright, Greg Johnson, I Hate Junk Mail, Jack Haycock, Jacques Berry, Jake Jacobson, James Broxson, James Felling, Jay Reed, Jeff Block, Jeff Chapman, Jeff McLeod, Jeff Waldrop, Jenny Taylor, Jim B, Jim Heinrich, John Cordov, John Keel, John Sweeney, John Derby, John Goldenberg, Joshua Robb, Ken Newberry, Kenneth Fowler, Kevin Zwicky, Lenny Bauer, Les Stevenson, Lloyd R., Luke Hartnett, Mark Beebe, Michael Gorman, Michael Kroger, Michael Meadows, Mike Lopez, Mike Piltz, Nicholas Stanger, Paul Bowling, Paul Teal, Randy Young, Raymond Hill, Rich Palmari, Ronnie Box, Scott Lefgren, Terry Wright, Thomas Jampino, Todd Glendy, and William Arcand. Find out more about Patreon and our support tiers by visiting scannerschool.com Patreon. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you again next week. 73.